Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. Good to see you all. It's good to see you too, Brandon. All right, nice. (laughs) If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us as well. Um, Today we start a brand new series called I Do It For Them. I do it for them. We, we all love stories of sacrifice. Stories, it's, it's the stories we tell. It's the stories we watch. It's the stories we read about. It's the stories we tell uh, our kids after we've done something brave earlier in life. We tell them about it. Uh, we love stories of sacrifice. How many of you um, remember watching the movie Armageddon? Armageddon. Okay. All right. Cool. So half of you uh, will be lost, but I'll give you enough so where you're tracking with me. So in the movie Armageddon, uh, there's a problem, as any good story would have, a, a major problem. Um, and there's an asteroid headed to Earth. Not good. You know, in my own experience of life, you know, I've never experienced that. But it's good because I'm still alive because I've not experienced that. Right? So uh, an asteroid coming and it's a big enough one that's just going to... Just, it's gonna destroy everyone, right? So it's gotta be dramatic. Um, and so they, they, they assemble, the government assembles a ragtag group of, uh, oil drillers and, and they, they learn how to be astronauts and all that. And so they go up in a spacecraft and, and get on the asteroid. And they, their, their goal is to drill so deep into it that they can detonate like a, a huge bomb and split it so that it then goes around the earth, right? That makes sense. Simple enough, right? And so, um, as they're on the asteroid, the, the team is consisted of, uh, is made up of a, a number of guys who all work together. Um, and two of them, one is a, is a father of a daughter, and the other one is the, the fiance to the other guy's daughter, okay? So, as they're getting closer to the end of, of the, the mission and about to detonate the bomb, the, the clicker, you know, the, the Bluetooth, the wireless is not working, you know, so they're not going to be able to detonate it from the spacecraft. So one of them is going to have to stay and press the button themselves, which means that they are going to have to give their life for the sake of all of humanity. Right. And so the, the fiance guy wants to do it. Um, but the, the dad, uh, to the daughter who he is engaged to, um, tricks AJ and Harry ends up staying on the asteroid and gives his life so that the whole of Earth can survive. And it's, it's one of those moments in, in a movie where you're like, oh my goodness. It, it, and you like, maybe you put yourself in that spot and you would hope that if you were ever in that situation, you would have the courage to do the same thing as Harry did with that situation because he gave his own life so that his daughter could marry this man and have a life of her own. Um, and, and, you know, we all, we all think about, like, moments in life, like stories of sacrifice, and we think, you know, I hope that if I was ever in that situation, I, I would do the same. But, but hopefully, you know, likely, you and I are not going to be in that same situation. We're not going to find ourselves on an asteroid in space needing to stay and press a button. You know, that's likely, I'm just saying, it's not, it's not impossible. It's just likely it's not gonna, that's not gonna be you. It's not gonna be me. Um, unless one of you are secretly training to be an astronaut, you know, I don't know. Um, but, but likely we're not gonna be faced with that. But, but every day, you and I have opportunities to, to live lives of sacrifice. 
to make a difference in other people's lives, to serve, to, to make a difference. And it's, it's not like all the ways, the big stuff, but a lot of times the, the opportunities we have to serve and sacrifice are, are the small things. And, and the question for all of us as followers of Jesus or, or people who are seeking after the Lord, um, the question for all of us is, are we living a life like that? Are we living a life of sacrifice, of, of purpose, of, of direction, where we're willing to sacrifice for the sake of someone else? Um, because if you follow Jesus, then you follow the one who gave his life for your sake, right? And so if, if we follow after Jesus, then we follow after the one who was sacrificially loving uh, the whole of humanity when he went to the cross. So what, what does that look like for us? Well, over the next two weeks, so today and next week, we're going to look at a couple of practical things that I believe God is calling us to, uh, to live a life of loving sacrifice in our context, in our day, where we can make a difference, each and every one of us, um, and, and we can do it together. And, and I hope and pray that God speaks to you and moves you um, to participate in what he's calling you to do. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be jumping a, a few different spaces um, in scripture. So I, I recommend writing these passages down if you want to review them later, um, because I'm breaking my own rule and we're looking at a number of passages. Um, because what I want to show you first is that Jesus' sacrifice brought you into God's family. Jesus' sacrifice brought you into God's family, and that is a game changer for each and every one of us if we can grasp it. This is what it says in Scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It says, He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Uh, he, he predestined us to be, what's that word, church? He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, that is in Jesus, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7 says it this way. It's really the, the, the gospel in a few verses. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. An heir. You know, when we think about what the gospel is, when we think about what Jesus has done, um, Jesus has done more than simply make a way for you to avoid hell and go to heaven when you die. That's part of what was accomplished, but it's so much more than that. See, spiritually speaking, in all reality, for all of us, this is true for each one of us, apart from Jesus, all of us are spiritual orphans. We have no home. We have no hope. We have no ability to take care of ourselves. We, we are alone and, and without uh, hope unless someone comes and adopts us and, and rescues us and, and brings us into a family, each and every one of us. And, and here's the thing, like all of us, I know you're in church and you're supposed to like smile and, and like, oh, how are you doing? I'm so good and so great. Uh, and blessed and highly favored. Amen, brother. Yeah. Um, and we're supposed to say that and, and, and look like that. But, you know, each one of us probably, we've, we've wrestled with, maybe, maybe, not, maybe not recently, but, but maybe each one of us, when, when, when the volume of our life goes a little bit lower, and the speed and the pace of our life gets a little bit slower. 
We have moments where we can just be alone in our thoughts and be alone with our, our choices and we start reflecting about the past and we start considering what our present moment is in the future. Some of us, we, we struggle with, with really truly believing that we are, that we are known, that we are seen, that, that we're pursued, that we're cared for, that, that we're loved. Like, like all of us, like if we can just be honest, like many of us, we struggle with that, even now. And, and, and this is the thing, Jesus knows that about each and every one of us. And I think we, we sometimes feel that because we yearn for, for him to come and rescue us. And through Jesus, that's exactly what he did. And he didn't just save you from your sins, but he, he did something so much, so much better than that is he, he saw you as an orphan and he adopted you into his family. That he, he said, I'm going to make you as my son, as my daughter. And I did it so that I pursued you. And it took God's pursuit of you for you to have hope, for you to have redemption, and for you to receive adoption into God's family. And that changes everything about us. Because no longer are we orphans without hope. We, we are adopted into God's family with a heavenly father who loves us deeply and will never leave us or forsake us. You know, um, a number of years ago, I had like a sequence of events started that were some of the most powerful moments of seeing God work in and through people who follow him in my life. See, um, in my inbox, I was able to go down memory lane in my email inbox. And um, I'm not one who feels the need like Mike does to operate at inbox zero. I, I don't do that. Uh, it's way too much work. I've got way too many email accounts and stuff. Uh, one, one of my Gmail accounts, as soon as I open it, it's like, hey, hold on. Pump the brakes, man. We're, we're about to bust at the seams. You need to delete some stuff. You know, like if I read something, I'll archive it and all that, but I don't usually delete it. So I was able to go back years upon years to this um, email that I received for, from, from a family uh, at the church in Ohio. They, they shared, they, they were fostering kids, they were foster parents, and they, they were praying through a possible placement um, into their home, and they were telling us through this email, you know, asking us to pray about that, because they, they already have three biological kids, and, and the particular child that they were um, possibly going to be placed with it was, was a young man, four years old, and, and the, for the last year, his home was Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And so they were just asking the Lord for like, okay, if this is what you're calling us to, we'll follow you. But, but they knew how much sacrifice, how much struggle, um, how much opening your heart and, and probably having it just ripped out because he had um, a serious form of cancer um, that at the time was in remission, um, but, they, but they knew that it could come back. And, and so they were trying to pray through that and asking others to pray with them. And they had decided to go and and get this little boy and bring him into their home. And that began a journey of them raising him up in the Lord, teaching him about Jesus, um, giving him a home, giving him a family, um, allowing him to be a part of their household. Um, and I remember one of the most powerful things I've ever been a part of was in the, in the courtroom on the day that that little boy was no longer a foster child of theirs, but he became their son. It was the adoption proceedings. And if you've ever been a part of something like that, you see the 
immense love that that, that involves the, the immense caring in the in the fact that this child had his life changed because this family saw him in need and came and welcomed him into their household. And and as time went on, as he just continued to grow in the Lord, you know, there would be times where his cancer would come back and it would grow and then they would treat it and it would go away and, and they would come back and we would pray and it would go away and, and it was just a, a constant back and forth. And um, about four years after they welcomed him into their home, um, I got an email, another one from, uh, it was a request from this little guy to have all the pastors of the church and their spouses to come to their home and fast leading up to it and to come and be with him and pray with him because the cancer had come back again. And he, he had such a heart where you're coming to minister to this little guy and in the process, he's ministering to you. He has this beautiful, immense faith in the God who loves him, even though he's going through all that he's gone through. And three months after that day, we were preparing his celebration of life service because he went to be with Jesus. And I learned so much from that kid. And I also learned a deep picture of the love of God through that family because they offered to him what they were given from God to them. They offered to him what they had received from the Lord. And that was that God saw them in their, in their struggle. God saw them without hope and God saw them in such a way where he pursued them and rescued them and adopted them into God's family and, and gave them hope and a future. And then they turned around and gave that same hope and future to this little boy. And, and they, they went into it knowing that it was going to be a struggle because it was going to be uh, hard because it was going to involve lots of trips to the doctor, lots of trips to the hospital, lots of, lots of treatment, lots of ups and downs, lots of opening your heart up just to have it sometimes feeling like it was ripped out because you love so deeply. And, and friends, like they were simply doing what God had done for them, for someone else. And, and maybe God would call you someday to adopt a child in the same kind of uh, way, to, to adopt someone who was uh, without, without a family and to bring them into your family. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But, but the point is this, that, that God loved you so much. That even though he knew all of your baggage, knew all of your struggles, knew all of your, your sin, knew all of the, the things that it was going to require him to walk with you through, um, he, he decided to pursue you and, and make a way for you to be adopted into his family. And for each and every one of us who follow after Jesus, that is our hope. That, that is our, that is our status before God, that we are brought from, from being enemies of God to being brought into the family of God, that you and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And it's amazing when you think about it. Like, friend, you are, whether you feel like it or not, like in Jesus, you are seen. You are seen. I know that sometimes it feels like people just see you for a moment and then they walk away and they don't think of you are seen not just now, but every moment of your life. You are seen by your heavenly father. You are noticed. And he didn't just notice you and walk away. He pursued 
you. He chose you. This is so amazing. Now, out of all the people in the world, he chose you to knit together in your mother's womb. And then he chose you again to be brought into his family. You are, you are seen, you are noticed, you are pursued, you are chosen and in Christ, you are accepted into his family. And that, that should change the way we see ourselves, that should change the way we understand our faith, that he has made a way for each one of us to find belonging in his family. But not only did Jesus' sacrifice um, br- bring you into God's family, but also uh, because of that, you are now members of God's household. You're now members of God's household. This is what the scriptures say. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Paul says this, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone cornerstone in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the lord in him you are also being built together for god's dwelling in the spirit you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of god's household this is what peter says he adds to this like what does it look like to be a part of the church what does it look like to be a part of this family? This is what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Okay, so this is what happens, right? Jesus, Jesus makes a way. He goes to the cross, puts all of your sins and my sin on his back, pays for it in full. He raises, ra- raises to life. From, from death to life, he defeats sin and death, and then he ascends to the throne room in heaven. All of that accomplishes this, that you are free and forgiven if you surrender to Jesus. And when you surrender to Jesus, you are adopted into God's family, brought into the household of God, and given the Holy Spirit as a gift to indwell you. So the very Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. And now he changes you from the inside out to be the person God always wanted you to be, the person who looks in more, looks more and more like Jesus as you go, to be the person who now has been given a gift by God himself to use for uh, people's good and for God's glory. It's, the scriptures call it a spiritual gift, that each one of us have been gifted by the Spirit to do certain things for the sake of the building up of the body of Christ, the family of God. That, that each one of us has something that God has equipped us to do. To, to, to actually serve others just like Jesus came to serve and not be served. He calls us to serve and not just merely be served. Um, so we, we are a part of the household of God. See, the, the household you grow up in shapes who you become. The household you grew up in as a child, it shaped who you became. Like some of us, we grew up in a household where there was deep uh, conversation, much breadth and depth. depth. We, we were able to talk about anything, that we were able to connect with each other emotionally. We were able to talk through stuff. We were able to communicate that there wasn't a, a lot that we didn't know about each other. Like even your parents shared when they were having a bad day, they shared about that and how they were pursuing the Lord even in spite of that. Like some of us, we grew up in a household like that. That shaped who you are today. Some of us, we grew up in a household where, where we did not talk 
about anything with any kind of level of depth. We stayed on the surface, and then if we tried to go deeper than that, everyone got uncomfortable, and we stopped the conversation. We did not connect emotionally on a deep level because emotions were only designated for fights, if anything, or, or whatever. Like we, we just didn't connect in our household, and that shaped who you are. Some of us, we, we grew up in a home where, where conflict was, was just something that you had to work through. And we approached it, we didn't fight or flight, we just worked through it in a healthy way. And, th- and that shaped who you are. Uh, but some of us grew up in a household where if, if there's a, some kind of conflict, that we either avoid it and run from each other, or we fight and get mean with each other. Um, and, and that shaped who you became. Some of us, we grew up in homes where uh, every day we, we got together, or most days we got together at dinner time, and we sat down at the dining room table, and we had a meal together. It was a, a, a powerful time to talk and to connect, see how everyone's day went. Maybe even after that, you, you connected over a board game or something like that where you continued to connect and, and further develop those bonds, and, and that shaped who you became. Others of us, we, we grew up in a home where we, we never went uh, and, and sat down and, and had a meal together, except for when we went to a restaurant and we were just forced, because that's what you do at a restaurant, is sit at a table and eat a meal. And that was the only time that we connected over a meal. And that shaped who you became. The household you grew up in shaped who you became as a person. And, and you could like think about what, what your household was like and what the dynamics were. And you can, you can start to see the patterns in which you've developed, good or bad. Some of them, like you, you've tried to fight through it and you're like, ah, this is still a struggle with me. Even though I'm 65, I'm still struggling to not, not be the same as what I saw growing up. And, and you're fighting through that. Or maybe you got like a really good patterns and see the household you grow up in shapes who you become. And that's, that's also true, not just as, as a child, but it's also true as a follower of Jesus. Like each of us were adopted into God's family, made a, a son or a daughter of our heavenly father. And, and now that we're a part of the family of God in the household of God, he's seeking to lead us in a new way to shape us because we live as a part of the household of God. And he's given us gifts to contribute to each other, to contribute to the goodness of the household. And that's what a family does, right? We contribute to the the betterment of the household, or at least that's what we should do. Um, In the Kelly household, we, we, we call something called family contributions. We start the kids very young, on contributing to the betterment of the household because contributions teach responsibility. Contributions teach dignity, right? It gives them a, a way to have self-worth in the, in the operation of the household because they're contributing to it. They're a part of it. It's just not just mom and dad doing everything. They're a part of it. They may not like it all the time, but they're a part of it, right? And they, they learn how to serve and how to work um, alongside of each other and to be uh, contributing to the household of the Kelly family. Um, so like our kids, very early on, they, they have contributions. We have this chart where it's got uh, these like little labels where they know on this day, this is what I'm supposed to do to contribute to the household. And again, like they don't always like it, but we're teaching them something, right? We're, con- we're teaching them what it looks like to contribute to the household because we want to raise kids who are not just good kids, but we want to raise kids who become good adults. Amen? And we're not just raising kids for them to say kids. 
That's not a good plan, right? Then they just stay around. You're like, leave, you know? We want to raise adults who can then go and contribute to society, to other people in their lives. So here's just a, a breakdown um, for, for what our kids end up doing as family contributions. Um, the, the girls, they, they contribute to the dishes. They unload the dishwasher and they put it away, right? They, they help. They're, they're, they're nine and seven. They're contributing in that way. The, the, all four of them, they, they help with the dog's food and the water. They, they make sure that, that you know, our dog is able to eat and drink. Um, they, they all clean their rooms and, and, you know, depending on what age they are, like we may guide them like, Hey, pick this category of stuff up and put it away. Hey, why aren't you doing that? Pick that stuff up, put it away. Right. And then the, the, as they get older, they're able to do it on their own. Um, and then, okay. Playroom, pick up the toys. Mom and dad aren't just going to do that for you. You made the mess. You can contribute to pick it up. Laundry. Y'all, I grew up in a household where I never once did my laundry. Never once. My mom did it. I just, I like, I put clothes in a dirty clothes basket and then later they just appeared in my dresser drawer. It was magic. Right? I had no idea. And then if there was ever a moment where I had to fold my clothes, I just did a bad job about it. Right? Then I wouldn't be asked to do it again. Amen? But that's not how I'm, I, I, I was in a household like that, but I'm not going to have my kids grow up in a household like that. So we're teaching them how to do laundry. And of course, Sarah's the one teaching them how to do laundry because I'm still clueless. <laughs> I know how to do it, okay? I did learn over the years. Um, it's not that hard. Um, so the girls, they, they fold their laundry and they put it away. Um, and they put it in and all that stuff. Um, the, each kid has a day where they set the table. Each kid has a day where they pray over the meal. Um, we, they clean the bathrooms, they vacuum, like we, because, because we're a family, we're a household, and each member of the household should contribute to the betterment of the household. And then, you know, responsibility stuff, homework, they get home, they gotta do homework before they get screen time, you know, the typical stuff. Um, they, they do get allowance, so we do pay them, you know, um, for some stuff. And they, with that, because we want to talk about finances and teach them how to handle finances, because um, Sarah and I both grew up in a household where we didn't talk about money much, and so we want to teach them how to how to give, how to save, and how to spend responsibly. And so they they are being taught that. And and so like we just, you know, I don't say that to brag or anything. It's just what we've done that works for us. That we we want our kids to learn what it's looked like to be a part of a family and to contribute to the household, and. And, and here's the thing, though. The, God, God gives the analogy of a family and a household to the church, not just to our nuclear families at home, but he gives us this picture of what the church is supposed to be. But, but here's the problem. Most churches, and as households and families, paint a different picture than what I just described. So 20% of the people in churches today, especially in America, especially in the West, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's a cliche because it's true. It just is. Um, 20% of the people contribute. 80% of the people, for the most part, consume. And even some percentage of the 80% who consume feel entitled to consume. They, they like, oh, yes, this is for me. Uh, I look at what the church does as all through the lens of what's in it for me. Even though they surrender to Jesus and follow Jesus, the one who said, I came to serve, not to be served. 
Um, so, so that's the reality that the church ends up painting and 20% give, 80% don't, or 20% give 80% of what comes in to the church. And so the question is like, well, why is that? I'm not, I'm not saying these things to be judgmental, but like if we understand what God has done for each and every one of us and has brought us into a family, has brought us into a household, like wouldn't we, and, and equipped us to have a gift to offer other people, wouldn't we want to contribute? I think for the, for our own uh, dignity and respect and being a part of what God's doing in Wells County and beyond, like wouldn't we want to contribute? I, I believe deep down each and every one of us want to. Here's the thing, church. I want you to remember this. This is uh, who we are as people and what we're called to do because in light of who we are. We are sons and daughters in the family of God. We are sons and daughters in the family of God. Called to contribute to the household our Father is building. That's who we are. we are. We are sons and daughters in the family of God. God's rescued each and every one of us from being enemies of His to being orphans without hope to be brought into His family and we are called to contribute to the household our Father is building. Like, and this is crazy, right? God invites us to be a part of what He's doing. He don't need us. He could do it. He doesn't need us to be a part of it, but He invites us. It's like when you, you know, when you had a, a little kid at home and you wanted to teach them how to how to cook, right? And you start on some simple stuff. Like last night, I made some coney dogs. They're very simple. I can cook more than that, just so you know, okay? Don't judge me. But we just had hot dogs and chili sauce, right? And I had Kyrea help me teach her how to do the can opener and stuff. I could have done it. I could have done it a lot faster. But we're trying to allow them to contribute to the household, right? And God does the same thing with us. Like, He can teach that lesson way better than you can. He can preach this sermon way better than I can. But He lets me stumble through it. He lets you stumble through it, to contribute to what he's doing. And, and like all of us, okay, don't, maybe don't use the family and household analogy. That's fine. How many of you played team sports growing up? Go ahead, raise your hand. Team sports. All right. Some of you are like, yeah, glory days. No one was like this. So I'm like, maybe there was no state championship in this room. I don't know. All right. So for those of you who played on a team sport, here's what I know about you. Um, likely, if you like the sport anyway. Um, if you were on the team, you would want to be in the game, right? You would want to be in the game. You, you wouldn't want to be me freshman year b- playing basketball where like I was on the team, but I sat down on a chair and that's pretty much where I stayed when the game was on, except for in warmups and then in the last like two minutes of the game, if we were up, you know, or losing horribly, right? Like, we'll get Brandon in there. Um, and, you know, I think I have, like, two points that year. Hey, I got one bucket, right? Amen. Hallelujah. But, uh, you know, like, you, we want to be in the game. We want to be in the game and be a part of what's going on. Because we're contributing to something bigger than ourselves, right? We're trying to win. We're trying to be a part of a championship or whatever, right? Like, we want to be a part of what is happening. We want to contribute. We want to do our role. Like each one of us, like maybe, we, you know, if, it depends on what kind of sport you're playing, but each one of us has like a position to play. We, we have a position. We, we have uh, responsibilities within that position to do what we're supposed to do to make sure that our team is successful. At least we are doing everything in our power to be a good team player and to do what we're called to do. 
right, to, to play our role. Like maybe you're not the star scorer or maybe you are, but whatever your role is, you do it to the best of your ability. That's what team sports should teach us as human beings, to, to be a part of a group that is striving towards something, some kind of goal together, right? And, and as you're in that game, as you're in that team, you're contributing, you're being a part of it, and you see that you are a part of whatever it is that you accomplish. Or if you have a bad game, you're a part of the team. You're part of the common denominator, and so you go together and you try and fix what went wrong. Y'all, we as, the, as, as followers of Jesus, as the church, we're a team. And, and what, what my Bible says is that if you surrender to Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells you and gave you a gift, a spiritual gift is what Scripture calls it, a spiritual gift for the, for the better of people around you and for the glory of God. And, and that's not, there's no exception to that. There's, there's no excuse that you can give me that would make me believe that you're the exception to that rule. That each one of us have something to offer. Each one of us has something to give, something, something to do that we can contribute to the household. What does Peter say? Just as each one has received the gift, use it to serve others. We're almost, you know, Christmas time. We're starting to do some shopping. I know some of you will wait till December 24th to do the shopping, but we like gifts, right? God has given you a gift. It's time to open it. You don't have to wait for December 25th to open that gift that he's given you. You can open it now and start to use it. And, and, and I know some of you are thinking, uh, <laughs> easy for you to say, Brandon, you're a pastor. You get paid to do this. Okay. Well, let me just put all my cards on the table, okay? Here's, here's what... I would do, if I were not a pastor, wouldn't, wouldn't do this, like, right? Not, not Brandon Kelly, lead pastor. No, no more title. No more, no more paycheck. No, nothing, none of that. And by the way, I didn't get into ministry for money, right? There's a lot other better paths for that. Um, so, so what do I do? Friends, if I were not a pastor, here's what I would do. Just to contribute to the household of God. To contribute to the family of God. Here's what, here's what my plan would be. And put all my cards on the table. I'd still teach if I was given the opportunity. If the leaders of the church felt like I could uh, have something to give uh, as far as a teaching, I, I, I would still do that, whether I got paid for it or not. I would just, that's what I'd do. I'd also be a greeter because I, I just, that's fun. That's fun. Just be around people, smile, shake hands, make sure, make sure people feel welcome. That's fun. Also, I'd teach in the children's ministry and because sometimes when I'm not preaching, I'm in there. Um, and here's the reason. I, we need our kids to know the, the grace and love of Jesus. Because they are growing up in a world that does not show them the grace and love of Jesus. They are growing up in a world that beats them down. And they need to know that Jesus is with them. That he is for them. That they can always run to him. And that he's always going to hear their prayers. That, that Jesus is the reason why they live. I want our kids to know what I didn't know. And that is the love of God as they grow up. And, and by the way, I know kids are crazy. But guess what? So am I. So it works real well. So I'd use that crazy with the, the children's ministry. I'd ask the leaders. This is just what I'd do. I'm not saying for you to do it. I'm just saying what I would do. I'd ask the leaders of the church, hey, what do you need help with? Oh, seriously, what do, you, what, what do you actually need help with? What, 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 do, you, what do you need? Because you'd be surprised at how many leaders have people in the church ask them that question. You'd be surprised at the small number of people who ask that question. So oftentimes the, the people who want to come and talk to the pastor 
um, you know, sometimes it's like, hey, my life is falling apart, right? And, and I, I need some help. I need to know what God uh, says about my situation. What should I do, right? And I, I love having those conversations with people. I don't love that people are in that situation, but I love having those conversations to try and counsel them toward what God would want or God would might maybe say in their situation. Um, but the other group sometimes, and I'm not saying this is all the time, so don't be like, oh, pity Brandon, you know. But, but the other group that is oftentimes the one who wants to come see the pastor is the people who have a complaint. Like, oh, you, you know, you said this or you didn't say that or whatever, right? Like, it's just, well, why did you guys make that decision, blah, 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 blah. And it's fine to have, like, you know, conflict. That's fine. But, but you'd be surprised at the number of those people compared to the number of people saying, hey, how can I help? And, and that's just mind-boggling to me, because if I can just say this, like, w- be- I, there was a time before I was a pastor, right? And, and I, I surrendered to Jesus at age 20 and started going to church and, like, just made a lot of assumptions. Like, oh, I guess if people are part of a church, they go to church every week, they read their Bible every day, they pray every day, and I just started doing those things. And when I see people out in the hallway, like, they seem nice people. You know, they follow Jesus, the one who loves them and cares for them and sought to serve them and not be served. So they're probably people who are loving, right? And, and you know, it's not always the case. It's not always the case. But, but here's the thing, y'all. Um, as the household of God, we're called to be people who spur each other on to good works. So I'm not saying it's bad to complain, you know. I mean, unless it's bad to complain, depending on what your complaint is. Does it matter about the mission or is it just your preference? Okay, all right. So if I was not a pastor... I'd ask him, hey, what do you need help with? I'd lead a community group because I've just been leading community groups and I love doing it. I'd, I'd, I'd do that. Um, I'd help others make sense of the Bible, whether it be at work, at the, at the lunch table, um, or, or just out and about, or just at church or whatever. I just, that's what I would do because it's not about what I do as a, as a occupation. It's just who I am as a son of God who's been given particular gifts that, that I want to use for people's good and for God's glory. And I don't say all these things to like, oh, look at how cool Brandon is. Oh, he's so, he's got to figure it figured out. No. But, but just to say like, hey, I, I'm not in this for the title. And I hope that you're not in it for whatever kind of like position of power or, or influence or, or whatever. Like, are, are you here to serve or are you just here to consume? Are you here to contribute? Or are you here to consume? Because, because churches all across this world, all across America especially, will close this year. And the reason they'll close is because a lot of people decided, you know what? I'm no longer going to contribute to what God is doing here. I'm just going to sit here and listen and leave and do nothing outside of that. I'm just going to consume. And I just, I just believe, like, I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm just, like... Doesn't, hasn't God done something in your life that out of joy and out of like just appreciation that you would want to be a part of what he's doing? Like, cause for me, it's like, I want to use my gifts to serve and y'all, God changed my life. Like literally changed my life when he adopted me into his family and gave me a bunch of brothers and sisters all across the world. And so like, I need not ever forget how far God has brought me. And you need not ever forget how far God has brought you that without him, you are a spiritual orphan. And that with him, you've got a beautiful family with a wonderfully amazing, perfect father who loves you and just wants you to be a part of what he's doing. He just wants you to be a part of it. 
in certain seasons, they may look different. That's fine. But, but the question for all of us, like, are we living out who we are? Because this is who we are. We are sons and daughters in the family of God called to contribute to the household our Father is building. We're all just called to contribute. That's it. It's not all about, like, you putting everything on your shoulders. No, we're all called to just contribute our part, to play our role, to play our position. Y'all, we do it for them. We, we do it for them. That's what our faith is about. We do it for them. Who's them? Uh, the children, whether it be our biological children or the children that are a part of this family, this household of God here in Bluffton, Indiana, at First Church of Christ on the corner of Spring and Clark. The kids who are a part of this. We do it for them. We do it for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look around. This is the family of God, household of God. Maybe you were expecting something better, something, you know, something more pretty. Well, sorry, this is the only, this is the only face I got, you know. But we're all part of this together. We do it for them. We do it for each other. We do it for the neighbors we have who need hope and freedom, who are around us, who need Jesus. We do it for them. And so, okay, what does this mean? What, do we, what, what am I actually saying? All of us are called to serve, to contribute, to do the family contributions. What does that look like? Well, maybe for you, it may look like something that we call here at FCC, attend one, serve one. Or depending on which service you want to attend, serve one, attend one. Either way, that's fine. But like, are, are you a part of a ministry team that is designed to build up the body of Christ here at First Church of Christ? Are you part, are you contributing? Many of you are, and, that, and, I, and I thank God for you, and I hope and pray that this message just gives you a greater, deeper understanding of what it is that you're actually doing uh, and, and how, much, how valuable that is. But for others of you, have you gotten involved? Or have you been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get in the game? Calling you in. Calling you in. If you like baseball, calling in the lefty or the righty, depending on which one you are. Right? Calling in from the bullpen. Come in. Come into the game. And be a part of it. So if, if you, you haven't been serving, I encourage you to go to the Welcome Center before you leave and, and get, part, get plugged into a, a ministry team. If you're not part of a community group, get plugged into one where you've got your people who will pray for you and walk with you and show you what it looks like to love each other, to encourage each other in, in, in our faith. Uh, or if you need help with reading the Bible and just get, getting off the ground on that, we'd love to help you. Just go to the Welcome Center. Whatever it is that God's calling you to, be willing to step out into it. And by the way, if, if there's moments where you're not serving on a ministry team, but you're just out and about on a Sunday then be a part of us being the most hospitable group of people that people will ever encounter. So you see someone you don't recognize, go say hi, shake their hand, tell them you're glad that they're here, get to know them, know their name, that kind of stuff. Let's, let's make sure that people feel welcome because here's what I know about you. When you have guests at your house, you don't just like have them walk in and not say anything to them. That's just weird. And, and some of us are weird, but we're not that weird, right? Like, if you're expecting a guest, you say you welcome them. And that's what we should do here, too. So whatever it is for you, jump in and contribute to the household God has put you in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and giving us the ability to be a part of what it is you're doing here on earth. It's really crazy, honestly. When I think about who I am, when I think about just all of the struggles that all of us have as human beings, that you would decide to make a way for us to join in your family and to join in your house. Like, 
a lot of us are messy and you brought us in and you know like you allow us to be a part of what it is that you're doing even though oftentimes we mess up the meal we, we, we mess up the, the, the cleaning we don't, we don't load the dishwasher correctly you know we contribute though and you walk with us through it and you help us grow in how to, how to be a part of what it is that you're doing in this household so that we can then go out in this world and contribute to be in the light and the salt that people need the light of the world, the salt of the earth God, I pray that each one of us, as people see our good deeds, they would glorify you who is in heaven. Um, lead us, Lord, and hear us as we sing to you. We love you, Jesus. Pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.